0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks and coming up today another interest rate hike is likely despite growing opposition from lawmakers, economists, and business leaders alike over recession fears. Is the Federal Reserve stuck between a rock and a hard place? Also this morning, whether rewarding yourself for surviving the pandemic or looking to add a spark to your relationship, a fall or winter getaway may be just the thing you need. In our community and business spotlight this morning, from traditional care to holistic therapies, Findlay Optimal Health is a new local medical practice dedicated to your healthy well-being. And the Hancock Historical Museum is honoring veterans in the month of November and looking to the holiday season ahead. Sarah Sisser will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. It is All Souls Day today. Uh, Also, Cookie Monster Day. Cookies. Look for Circles Day. All right. Look for Circles Day. (laughs) I don't know. That just jumped out at me. There is something kind of odd. Look for Circles Day. National Deviled Egg Day today. It is Plan Your Epitaph Day. So that's very cheery, and it is Practice Being Psychic Day today. So reasons to celebrate, observances, and so on. Here is the uh, first thing that you need to know. Uh, every day we have to have something to worry about, uh, and this is your item today. The largest planets, uh, the largest planet killer-sized asteroid discovered in the past decade is going to cross Earth's orbit. But uh, Earth will not be anywhere near it and be in Earth's orbit. So you've got this huge asteroid, uh, the size of which could kill everything on the planet. I mean, you know, dinosaur killing is going to cross our o- orbit, but we're not going to be at that point in our orbit when it does. This is according to a, a new news report, uh researchers have found that the asteroid named AP7, uh they discovered the asteroid while looking for space rocks within the orbit of Earth and Venus. And uh, according to this, the asteroid's diameter uh, is between 1.1 and 2.3 kilometers, uh making it the largest potentially hazardous asteroid discovered since 2014 it is also probable that this pha as they call it potentially hazardous asteroid is in the top five percent of the largest asteroids ever found and yes it is going to cross through earth's orbit it's just we're not going to be there at the time when it does at that point in our orbit so that's cheery so there's the uh uh Every day you got to have something. you got to have uh, some story about the uh, pending doom of humankind, and uh, that is it for today. You remember uh, yesterday we were talking about uh, things that are. What was the story yesterday? Was uh, bad news for men, but not for women. I don't even remember what it was. Now, it's like every day is is something that all kind of blends together. Um, here is good news for. Women, more so than men. Uh, Researchers uh, doesn't say, oh, Washington State University. Researchers at Washington State University have found that sleeping regularly, getting a good night's sleep, can help increase your ambition in the workplace, but only if you are of the female persuasion. Men do not seem to experience the same benefit. So you wake up in the morning ready to conquer the world? Women actually could. Men, not so much. These researchers analyzed survey responses from 135 workers over the course of two weeks. They asked questions about sleep quality and how they felt about work. And they found that when women are getting a good night's sleep and their mood is boosted, they are more likely to be oriented in their daily intentions toward achieving status At work. Um, Men, not so much. They say the research could help provide beneficial advice for women in the workplace. Uh, Yeah, get enough sleep, and that's a good night's sleep. How many times have we heard that? You know, ready to take on the world, and for women, apparently, it works. So here's something that will make you feel insignificant Um, this morning. Um, did you hear about this? Sam Baker uh, is now the youngest person to reach the top of Yosemite's El Capitan, the big uh, mountain in uh, uh, the big peak in the Yosemite National Park. El Capitan, for mountain climbers, it's like uh, one of the you know top peaks that you want to climb in your lifetime. Uh, Sam Baker is now the youngest person to reach the summit reached the top of El Capitan. He is eight years old. Eight. <laughs> when, when I was eight, uh, I was still trying to make sure that I could double knot not my shoes, uh, you know, so that they didn't come untied and uh, trip me up as I was getting on the school bus in the morning. And here's this kid's going to the top of El Capitan. Uh. His uh, dad, Joe, posted about the accomplishment on Facebook on Friday of last week. Sam and Joe started their 3,000-foot journey to the top of El Capitan last Monday, and by Friday, they had reached the uh, the summit. Sam, the youngest person ever to reach the top of El Capitan. Man, when I was eight years old, <laughs> that wouldn't even have been on my radar screen. Uh, at all. Speaking of uh, mountaineering, I happened to see this story on the Newswire that I thought was uh, really interesting. A, uh, a crazy discovery uh, on top of a uh, mountaintop in the Yukon. Cameras, cameras left during an expedition in 1937 have resurfaced miles away from where they were left. And amazingly, the film inside the cameras has survived. Conservators eager to see details of this uh, long lost uh, Yukon trip. Explorers Bradford Washburn and Robert Gates had to abandon their gear and hike to safety after a storm interrupted their journey over 80 years ago. And uh, ever since then, the gear, including their cameras documenting their trip, uh, were lost to history. Well, a crew of seven recently decided to look for that equipment along the 44-mile-long glacier that they have been hiking. And they found the cameras 12 miles away from where they were reportedly left. The uh, footage will be reviewed and hopefully salvaged. They'll be able to uh, salvage the images. All of this information of how this glacier has behaved over the last 85 years uh, could be documented with this uh, imagery is a pretty cool contribution to science, according to Explorer Griffin Post, who was among the team that found the cameras. That is actually really cool, uh, from a scientific perspective and from the historical perspective too. I think that's really, that's really neat. Uh, speaking of crazy discoveries, amazing discoveries, I. I Saw this actually on the newswire the other day, and I hesitated to mention it because I wasn't really sure if it would be um, traumatizing for younger members of the audience. So if you have you if you have kids that are listening right now, I'm going to shuffle them into a new into a different room out of earshot for a couple of minutes. Because this story here is that uh, researchers in Turkey claim that they have located the tomb of Saint Nicholas the real-life figure who inspired Santa Claus, they have apparently found the tomb of St. Nicholas under a 5th century church in Turkey. While it has long been known that St. Nick was buried in the Antalya province of Turkey, his remains were pilfered around 700 years after his death, so the exact burial spot was unknown until... Now, according to report in LiveScience.com, this is an extremely important discovery. The first find from that period, according to the chairman of the uh, Antalya Cultural Heritage Preservation Regional Board, Osman uh, Eravsar, I think is how you pronounce his name. uh, Researchers discovered uh, St. Nick's alleged final resting place after uncovering the remnants of the ancient sanctuary in the coastal town of demra so (laughs) nowhere saint nick was laid to rest Uh, pretty interesting there and finally among the first things you need to know this morning the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day and this is kind of good news apparently during the and i had no idea that this was going on during the early days of the pandemic Patients experienced delays in receiving heart transplants. Now, there were a lot of delays in medical services and so on during the early uh, days of the pandemic. But apparently, uh, there was some concern if a donor match, if the uh, donor had tested positive for COVID-19, they were delaying heart transplants because they didn't know if it would be safe to transplant somebody's heart who had had COVID-19 into the uh, chest of a uh, healthy patient. Now, I would think if I needed a heart transplant, (laughs) I'll risk (laughs) COVID-19. I could survive COVID-19. I can't survive without a heart. But apparently this was a big concern, and now it looks like uh, there was no reason to be worried. Positive donors can safely give their hearts to those in need. A study from the University of California gathered information On more than 3,200 donations from February of 2021 to March of 2022, 84 of those 3,200 were from COVID-positive donors, and the rates of complications uh, appear to be similar to those who were not COVID-positive. So there was no statistically uh, significant difference in the number of complications from donors who were COVID-positive versus those who were not. Uh, according to the study author, Samuel Kim, quote, these findings suggest that we may be able to be more aggressive about accepting donors that are positive for COVID-19 when patients are in dire need of an organ for heart transplantation. And again, to me, that just is, it just is common sense. You know, if, if I am need in, a, in need of a heart, I mean, if my heart is failing, I'll take my chances with COVID-19. Uh, Just give me a heart. A heart is something that I need. But apparently, for a a time anyway, there was some real concern (laughs) over that. I don't know. It's just kind of weird to me. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demcheck. Your WTOL 11 weather... Becoming mostly sunny today with a high of 66, just a few clouds tonight, a low of 44. The University of Finley's 17th Annual Helping Hands Food Drive will take place today. Non-perishable foods that haven't passed their expiration dates and monetary donations will be collected to benefit those who need them the most. Donations will be collected on campus at the Alumni Memorial Union through a drive-up and drop-off process from 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. And multiple off-site donation locations are also available, including the Walmart on Trenton Avenue, Walmart on Tiffin Avenue, and Great Scott on Broad Avenue. All donations go to Chopin Hall and will benefit families in Finley and Hancock County. Learn more about how you can help out on the website. Federal investigators have determined that the September fire at the BP Husky refinery near Toledo that killed two brothers was caused when flammable chemicals accidentally released at the refinery ignited.
0: The U.S. Chemical Safety and Hazard Investigation Board released its findings Monday, adding that the investigation into the incident that cost two lives and caused significant damage to the refinery is ongoing. Around 600 people work at the refinery. It was unclear how many were working the night of the fire.
1: ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. It's less than one week until Election Day and Ohio voters are turning out to vote early in person and by absentee ballot. As we
2: get closer to election day, many are requesting those absentee ballots, especially as that deadline to do that gets closer. If you are planning to vote absentee, requesting your ballot as soon as possible is becoming more and more important as we near election day. The deadline to request that ballot is this Saturday at noon. Your ballot must be postmarked then by the day before election day in order for it to be counted.
1: ONN's Amy Steigerwald reporting Election Day is next Tuesday. Marathon Petroleum had a big third quarter. The oil refiner headquartered in Finley reported earnings of $4.5 billion for the third quarter, which compares to $694 million for the third quarter of last year. President and CEO Michael J. Hennigan says market demand for their products remains strong and their third quarter results reflect their improving operational and commercial execution. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: So, of course, the Federal Reserve set to announce another interest rate adjustment. Later today, it is all anyone seems to be talking about. If it is another three-quarter percent, that would be four in a row. Consumers are feeling the pinch, but inflation remains stubbornly high. Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride joins us once again. Greg, first off, any reason to believe that it will be anything other than another three-quarter percent jump?
3: No, Chris, they've done a pretty good job of telegraphing that that's what it's going to be. Uh, it'll be, as you noted, the fourth in a row. Uh, and just for context, uh, prior to the first of those three-quarter percentage point hikes back in June, they hadn't moved in an increment that large in 28 years. So it kind of underscores the urgency uh, with which they, they have this task of trying to corral inflation. I think the real mystery is not what they do today, but what do they say they're going to do or indicate they're likely to do at December, and uh, and then into 2023.
0: And I want to get to uh, some of that here in just a moment. One of the things that I thought was interesting heading into this meeting, this go-around, is that there has been... Uh, growing pressure on the Fed to temper their aggressiveness. Sherrod Brown, as senator, uh, as uh, chair of the Senate Banking Committee, sent a letter to Jerome Powell last week urging the Fed to rethink that continued strategy. Of course, that may be politically motivated with the midterms coming up. But a growing number of economists, something like ninety percent of CEOs, are now prepping for a recession that they see as inevitable. And you point out that the economy will slow down long before inflation does. Uh, just kind of the way. things things work. So it may be inevitable at this point.
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the odds of a recession have certainly grown. Uh, You know, we we do a survey of economists and we've just we've seen just this year the odds go from 25 percent to 33 percent to 50 percent. Now it's two out of three. So, uh, you know, it just continues to ratchet higher. I'd be surprised if we don't get a recession. But you're going to see, I think, more of that chorus calling for the Fed to ease up or stop uh, hiking rates uh, as the economy slows, and uh, you know we we are going to feel the pain of uh, slower economic growth uh, before we see the gain of lower inflation. Uh, and and yet it's inflation that the Fed is really chasing. So they got to walk a tightrope here. They got to raise rates enough that there's it, it's enough to, to reduce demand and bring down inflation, uh, but they can't go too far and and uh, risk a more significant recession, a mild recession may well be what's needed to to bring inflation lower. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Fed wants to avoid making that worse.
0: Well, and, and that's uh, kind of mm, the thought in the back of my mind, the Fed is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here, right? Growing pressure to back off the strategy of rate hikes on the one side, but still with the need to rein in inflation on the other.
3: Uh, yes. And it, the, the, the Fed has to think long term on this. Uh, we've never had a period of sustained economic growth and prosperity amid high inflation. Uh, When we've had those periods of extended, uh, prolonged economic expansions uh, and and, uh, economic growth and growing household incomes, it's come with the backdrop of low inflation. So painful, though, it might be in the short term, uh, you know, what happens with the economy as a result of raising rates may be necessary to get inflation back down to the level where it's conducive to having an extended period of economic expansion thereafter
0: and uh, to the extent that uh, you know this is the unusual uh, situation that we've got right now um with uh, continued strong economic signs but High inflation, persistently high inflation. It also kind of makes me a little bit nervous to hear the Fed chair say that they are going to keep raising rates until inflation shows clear signs of easing because I wonder how much harder are average folks going to get squeezed in the meantime? Well, I mean, average folks are certainly getting squeezed by inflation.
3: And yes, the higher interest rates are just another form of inflation when you look at the higher borrowing costs, the higher cost of of servicing debt. Uh, but in inflation has stretched household budgets in a way that we haven't seen in a long, long time, and so that's really public enemy number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, raising interest rates is the yeah you know, that's that's the playbook for reducing uh, economic growth to to re- to bring down demand uh, in an effort to to corral this inflation. We've got an imbalance between supply and demand. The Fed can't fix the supply side, but they can address the demand side and. Yeah, you know, because they were late getting started, they've had to yeah. act with even greater urgency this year. Uh,
0: and and of course, the the point is also valid that while increasing interest rates uh, are are tougher for you know servicing debt and and make things uh, more expensive on the one hand, it does provide a benefit for savers. So, uh, you know, what should average folks be doing right now to prepare for the eventuality? Of an economic slowdown, if we uh, do indeed see uh, some level of recession, while at the same time, you know managing as best we can these continued rising interest rates.
3: focus on paying down debt in particular that high cost debt that's so susceptible to rising rates like credit cards, uh, boost your emergency savings. you know in the event of an economic slowdown. Nothing will help you sleep better at night than knowing you got some money tucked away for a rainy day. And then finally, just continue making your retirement contributions. Don't bail on the markets now. Yes, it's been a rough year. That choppiness is likely to continue into 2023. But when you look back 5, 10, 15 years from now, you'll be really happy you stuck with it.
0: Now, I know how much you love peering into your crystal ball, uh, but there was a, a piece in The Hill this week uh, suggesting that the Fed's next big rate hike may be its last. How likely is it that that will be the case?
3: Well, it depends on what, you know, how you define big rate hike. I mean, you know, this one uh, is you know, expected to be 75 basis points, three quarters of a percentage point. Uh, if they move by half a percentage point in December, it's yes, it's a slower pace, but I'd still consider that to be you know, a large rate hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they dial it down to just quarter point rate hikes beginning in 2023? You know, that's certainly possible. Um, I, I, but I think the bigger question isn't how big or small the rate hikes are, but where's the eventual stopping point? Just how high do they have to push rates? And then how long do they have to keep them there To get inflation under control. So, you know, big difference between them slowing the pace of rate hikes and then stopping them altogether. Big difference.
0: I I would call that the $64,000 question uh, at the risk of uh, showing my age there. Again, uh, Bank bank Rate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride with us once again uh, this morning uh, ahead of the uh, Fed's uh, big interest rate uh, announcement later on today. Uh, we'll have a link up for more information uh, from and more analysis from uh, Bankrate. And Greg, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much.
0: You remember yesterday we were talking about how going on vacation is a great way to rekindle the magic in your relationship. We had that story. And it was like uh, three and four people say that they have actually fallen back in love with their significant other uh, by going on a uh, by going on a trip, by going on vacation, getting away from it all, uh, rediscovering the spark that, that was there in the relationship in the first place. So just in case you need an excuse to take that dream vacation that you have been thinking about for years, how about this to light that spark? Tourism New Zealand is launching a new campaign to invite international visitors back to that island nation now that the COVID restrictions have been lifted. And joining us this morning is Sarah Hendley. Sarah, you have uh, just recently lifted those restrictions on international travel, but uh, what should... What should visitors expect in a New Zealand vacation moving forward?
2: Ah, Tiora, thank you so much for having me on today. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, the borders are, borders are open and there are no travel restrictions. So there has never been a better time to plan that amazing uh, trip down to New Zealand. And. We know that as international travel is returning, that the demand for locations where people can experience nature, open spaces, and the great outdoors, along with those more immersive journeys and meaningful connections are at an all-time high, and Zealand is really well positioned to deliver against this.
0: So what are some of the top destinations within New Zealand? I mean, I, I, I think of a trip to New Zealand, I think of New Zealand, but that's sort of like... Uh, for someone internationally traveling to the United States. There are so many places uh, to visit, so what are some of the top destinations?
2: Uh, You're right. Uh, New Zealand is packed full of amazing things to see and do, but maybe um, to help understand a little bit of the scale of New Zealand uh, is to think about New Zealand is roughly the same size as Colorado, so it's very compact. It's easy to get around, which means that you can actually jam a lot into, uh, you know, a relatively short um, space of time. And a couple of my favourite places um, that I would recommend is, uh, you know, when you arrive in New Zealand, you land in Auckland, and that's in the, in the North Island, and. Um, I recommend uh, everybody hops on a 40-minute ferry ride across to Waikiki Island, which is a favourite weekend spot for locals. It's packed full of wineries, beaches, and mm. uh, amazing, amazing sunsets as well. And but then, if you want to see a, a little bit more with regard to maybe the um, unique culture and geothermal activity, then Rotorua is just a two-hour drive um, out of uh, out of Auckland. So it's a quick hop there. Maybe you're feeling a little bit more adventurous and want to head down to the South Island. Um, Queenstown is what we call the home of adventure, and it's actually where bungee jumping was uh, first commercialized, but there's so many uh, other things there to do as well, things like jet boating, um, skydiving, river rafting, and, and really so much more. But if you're not feeling so adventurous, then uh, New Zealand is jam-packed full of wine regions that are great to discover as well.
0: Yeah. Now, we referenced the If You Seek campaign where, uh, again, you're kind of underscoring what you were talking about just a moment ago, kind of uh, unleashing that inner adventurer uh, that, that most of us have.
2: Yeah, well, the campaign, uh, it really offers a sneak peek into some of the really unique travel experiences that we have in New Zealand, and um, it's it's sort of an invitation for curious travellers to come and discover all that New Zealand has to offer, because we, uh, you know, we truly believe that the magic of New Zealand can be seen and felt from those that um, that unplug, uh, those that immerse, embrace and respect our unique culture, our people and our environment. And those visitors that do so, they're going to be met with what we call Maori Tanga, which is a deep expression of welcome, hospitality and reciprocal connection. And um, we usually say that the more you give to New Zealand, the more New Zealand gives to you. And to be honest, that's really at the heart of what this campaign is all about.
0: And by the way, uh, we'll mention that if, you know, with winter coming here in the northern hemisphere, uh, it is the the seasons are the opposite. So if you're looking for a warm weather destination in the middle of December, January, what have you, uh, New Zealand is a, a great option.
2: Yeah, so true. I mean, New Zealand's a great year-round destination. We have some fantastic winter skiing and winter sports, but one of the best times to visit New Zealand is in the summer months between December and March.
0: I I guess that's a a good point. Uh, The same would be true for those, uh, you know, snow bunnies who, you know, love skiing and, uh, you know, come June or July don't have a whole lot of options for that uh, in this country. So there you go.
4: That's right.
0: (laughs) How long, by the way, how long? Because I've never been. uh, That's always been one of the things on my bucket list. How long does it take to fly to New Zealand from the United States?
2: Well, I'm guessing betting it's probably closer than you think. Um, So we like to say that you um, board the flight, have dinner, watch a movie, settle down for some sleep and wake up in New Zealand. And the flight, uh, a direct flight from the West Coast down to New Zealand is around 13 hours from LAX. Or if you're on the East Coast, the new non-stop from New York is around 17 and a half hours. And okay. The great news is that New Zealand has never been easier to get to. It's, uh, you can connect down to New Zealand uh, direct from seven cities across the U.S., from our partners in
0: New Zealand, American, United and Hawaiian. <laughs> Again, uh, Sarah Handley is from Tourism New Zealand, launching a brand new campaign to welcome visitors back post-COVID. And you've got more information on the official website, right? We do. Uh, head on
2: over to NewZealand.com to find out more about New Zealand and all the amazing experiences you can do while you're down there.
0: We will link that up on our webpage, so folks definitely want to check that out. Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much. Kiara. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight.
0: We are joined in the studio by Ashley Donaldson-Wollum, uh, who is uh, the owner of a new medical practice uh, in Findlay uh, called Findlay Optimal Health. Uh, first of all, Ashley, talk a little bit about what sets your business, what sets this practice apart from other health practices.
5: So we are a unique practice in that um, we do do traditional medical uh, care, um, mm-hmm. but we we pull in some allopathic um, uh, or homeopathic alternative measures like massage therapy, chiropractic, IV vitamin therapy, uh, and we use those tools sometimes um, in treatment of certain diagnoses. So a lot of patients can um, either get like the traditional care that they get from their regular doctor, or mm-hmm. they can get a combination or just traditional or um, regular
0: homeopathic. So, it's kind of a one-stop shop uh, for a number of different modalities. I guess I don't know if the, that's the proper term.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, we do anything from stitches uh, to IV therapy. And mm-hmm. then we can do a simple you know, establishment of care on a regular uh, healthy um, adult or child. We can do um, work physicals, school physicals.
0: You mentioned IV therapy, which is something that is new to the area, but is growing uh, around the country in terms of uh, its availability. What is that?
5: So um, there's different spectrums of IV therapy. You could use it for um, the traditional jet lag that you get the fatigue. Some people get vitamin therapy is what we call it. Mm -hmm. Or you can escalate to what people are getting in the emergency room. They have... um, pretty moderate to severe dehydration and their surgeon or their GI doctor or even um, we're doing IV antibiotics for an orthopedic surgeon in town. So things like that.
0: Now, you mentioned you offer this uh, holistic uh, type of practice where Mm -hmm. you have any number of different therapies that are available. How do you determine what is appropriate for which patient?
5: So what's really unique about our practice is we give the driver's seat to the patient. We give them a lot of options as long as it's safe. We listen to our patients and try to taper a plan that's um, right for them. And we answer their questions to um, you know what they're trying to ask us and appropriately so that they can make the best decision possible.
0: Now you have an open house where folks can learn mm-hmm. more about your practice coming up later this week.
5: Correct. Um, it is Thursday night, November third, four to six p.m. Um, the Chamber of Commerce will be there. We'll be doing a recutting or a, a secondary cutting of um, the institution because we've grown so big with all the other services. Um, we also have an esthetician on staff for skin care as well.
0: So yeah. really, uh, a lot, again, your, uh, your practice uh, as a nurse practitioner, but you are certainly not alone. There is a full staff uh, with a, a number of different specialties here.
5: Correct. And we also have a mental health provider, which is much needed in this community. Um, So my experience um, in healthcare has always been critical care. And when um, the pandemic happened, I was kind of sucked into those ICUs and uh, working two hours away from home. And I kind of just said, I want to start something different for the community. I want to bring it back home. And I want to start something that's unique and trusting.
0: Now, is this uh, a practice, uh, like a, a general practice that mm-hmm. uh, someone, uh, it, so it doesn't take a referral or nope. anything like that from a physician or anything Nope, like that. they
5: can come establish care with us. Um, and then if they need a referral for, let's just say, dermatology or a GI doctor, mm-hmm. we can make that referral. We can send you for adequate testing, um, imaging at the hospital. We do in-house blood work, um, what we think is appropriate for what's going on with you. So I I just um, encourage people to come out to the open house because once you see the facility, it is really unique, and we're excited to share it with everybody.
0: And where are you located?
5: We're at 402 Tiffin Avenue um, here in Finley. It's across from Lee's Chicken.
0: And again, the open house is on Thursday. Yes,
5: 4 p.m. to 6 p.m.
0: Okay. There'll be some... um,
5: Uh, Raffle prizes, some really cool um, gifts. You you can raffle off from the Fern, uh, Gillig Winery, uh, several different institutions here in town.
0: And lots of people to answer any questions folks may have. Very good. Again, uh, Ashley donaldson Woolham, the uh, owner and nurse practitioner with Findlay Optimal Health. Ashley, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate appreciate it. it.
2: The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor.
4: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. You know, Halloween brings out all kinds of weirdos, so we have a lot of uh, post-Halloween stories in the broken news here this morning. Uh, This is uh, the story of Dominic Salazar, age 31, somewhere in California, and the uh, story does not say, it just says... He's from California, doesn't say specifically where uh, in California, anywhere. He uh, he was arrested by police uh, on Monday, Halloween, because he had had at least one too many and maybe many too many causing a lot of chaos. Uh, Mr. Salazar was arrested at around three thirty in the morning for disorderly conduct, domestic battery and uh, several other charges, exact details were not reported. The uh, the perp, Mr. Salazar, seemed actually rather proud of himself that he had been arrested by police and uh, smiled for his mugshot <laughs> accompanying the police report. So what was uh, interesting about this at the time, again, uh, among the uh, charges, uh, he was drunk and disorderly. Uh, He was in his Halloween costume, dressed as a bottle of Fireball. Fireball whiskey. (laughs) Now, there's an appropriate costume. A woman in Maryland is uh, facing charges for allegedly exposing herself to (laughs) trick-or-treaters. On Halloween, 45-year-old Wendy Kazarek apparently was... Um, flashing and yelling obscenities at children while handing out candy on Halloween night. So at least she was handing out treats. <laughs> Just getting some little extra there. Uh, this is in Edgewater, Maryland. When police uh, police were called, when they showed up, they found her standing near the road in front of her home. Um, she is uh, free on her own recognizance after being charged with indecent exposure and disorderly conduct. So there is that. <laughs> Uh, some neighbors in Willoughby, Ohio, uh, complained to police about one homeowner's Halloween decoration display, Uh man whose name is not, uh, in this report. I'm, I'm sure that they know who he is, but, uh, this man's not, name is not given in the uh, report. Uh, anyway, he, uh, has posed, uh, in his front yard, several skeletons in, uh, <clears throat> suggestive, uh, in a suggestive manner. Uh, they, uh, the skeletons were engaging in, uh, certain adult acts. Let's say <laughs> Na- neighbors say the display is inappropriate, especially since the home is right in front of Willoughby middle school. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably not the best. <laughs> The school district, though, says it has not received any complaints about the risque display for their part. (laughs) Uh, And uh, here's a kind of a cool story out of uh, Ohio. It's always fun when we have uh, broken news right from the Buckeye State. Uh, This from Hamilton uh, near Cincinnati. Officials say a sculpture... At the Fitton Center for Creative Arts in Hamilton uh, was, well, I don't know what you call it, uh, vandalized? I guess you would call it vandalized. Uh, The sculpture was dressed up for Halloween. Now, the sculpture, uh, which is there year-round, shows a father helping teach his son how to ride a bike. But it was dressed up to look like a scene from E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, the boy on the bicycle was dressed up in a red coat, like Elliot, and a homemade E.T. was attached to the handlebars <laughs> in a basket. Then the father uh, was uh, turned into one of the pursuing government agents uh, in a hazmat suit. <laughs> so the, the folks at the uh, Center for Creative Arts uh, there in Hamilton showed up one morning, and they had been decorated for, uh, for Halloween a costume for Halloween. The uh, director of the center says they have no desire to prosecute the pranksters uh, or even to find out who did it. Honestly, Ian McKenzie says, honestly, I wish we'd thought of it ourselves. (laughs) It's pretty creative. (laughs) So it's good that they can see the humor in that. And I saw pictures. It actually is really, really cool. Couple of other items in the broken news this morning. A man in Missouri has been forced to pay a $400 fine for having too many sunflowers in his front yard. Yes, believe it or not, Chris Bank was ordered to appear in court in early October after he refused to cut down his plants when told that he had violated a city ordinance of, believe it or not, the city actually has an ordinance. It is a turf to flower ratio ordinance. (laughs) This summer, he was told he had violated the city's turf to flower ratio. He had too many flowers for the size of his yard. Uh, Apparently, he also violated another uh, law in the city of St. Peter's, Missouri, by having a fence in his front yard. So you can't have too many flowers in your front yard. You can only have so many flowers based on the size of your front yard. And you can't put a, p- a fence up to hide your dastardly deed. Um, Mr. Bank, who began to plant flowers in his yard during the pandemic, he said to bring joy to spectators, received notice of his violation about a year after he was cited for the same problem in 2021. Aha! Is a repeat offender. So throw the book at him and what are you doing? Planting all these flowers in your yard. The previous case was dropped. Uh, however, this time they are seeking the f- prosecuting to the fullest extent of the law as well. They should, uh, the, uh, homeowner, Mr. Bank is not pleased with the judge's ruling and said officials were unable to explain the details of the violation. um, Mr. Banks said he uh, didn't give me an actual answer to the judge. He just ruled with the city that I was not in compliance. I specifically asked for measurements of the violations, like any other violations, and they could not provide it. So apparently this is not over yet, but how crazy is that? That they, and this is a city ordinance. I would not be surprised if it was like an HOA or something. They had these kind of crazy restrictions. This is actually a city ordinance. They, Flower to turf ratio—that's just crazy. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, you might have seen this. I saw it uh, yesterday. Uh, it's gone viral uh, online. Uh, the uh, woman from Queensland, Australia, who has been wheelchair-bound since she was a teenager, uh, she says she was left humiliated when she was on a flight from Singapore to Thailand. And when it came time to get off the plane, she was told by the flight attendants that she needed to pay extra for use of a wheelchair to get off the plane. She said she had her own wheelchair with her, but it was too big for the aisle. Uh, She said staff called for a specialized wheelchair that could fit uh, down the uh, center aisle of the uh, airplane, uh, but they said she would have to pay for it. And she wasn't about to pay for something like that. So she actually crawled off the plane. Um, Her traveling companion uh, filmed the whole ordeal. Uh, The company uh, Jetstar is the name of the airline uh, denies that the wheelchair was withheld from uh, Ms. Curtis and she said uh, her crawling was caused by a miscommunication. Uh, Jetstar has offered a full refund and compensation, a full refund of the price, price of the flight and other compensation. But Ms. Curtis says she will never fly with them again. I would think so. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. You crawl off the plane. Uh, there you go. That is the uh, broken news report this morning. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to us a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
3: Hello, I'm Jerry Stewart. How many folks in America today do you suppose actually know how much our freedom has cost? Join me here for my special Veterans Day program, Forever Heroes, and the stories will remind us all that freedom isn't free. It's my all-new Veterans Day tribute program here on Veterans Day Afternoon at 5 on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Please join me.
0: Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. The folks at Wells Fargo put out a report earlier this week entitled, Is This the Year to Dine Out for Thanksgiving? Hmm. Uh, the argument that they're making is that the cost of all of the Thanksgiving staples for your, you know, holiday feast, uh, everything from poultry to fruits, uh, is outpacing the total food at home and food away from home categories in the Consumer Price Index. Uh, turkey prices alone are projected to rise 23 percent compared to the fourth quarter of last year this is according to the analysts at wells fargo 23 percent higher and they're going to be in short supply the avian flu has uh uh, forced uh producers to uh, cut back on their herds do they do we call them herds of turkeys i don't know anyway they're flocks of turkeys that doesn't sound right anyway fewer turkeys because of the avian flu and they're uh, going to be more expensive For that reason, and because everything is more expensive. Meanwhile, eggs have already risen 32.5%. Again, this is compared to the fourth quarter last year. Butter and flour are up 25.8% and 17.1% respectively. So, uh, all of the ingredients to bake all of those holiday goodies are going up too. So far... Fruits and vegetables have had the smallest price increases, but even those are up 7.3% compared to the cost of Thanksgiving dinner last year. Consumers are also going to see a difference in popular side dishes such as potatoes and cranberry sauce due to weather issues and a rise in input costs this year. The one exception seems to be sweet potatoes. Uh, farmers actually have a surplus at the moment and they are more readily available so sweet potatoes might actually be less expensive but assuming that you want more than just sweet potatoes uh, thanksgiving is going to cost you quite a bit more this year to uh, put the fees together meanwhile according to the consumer price index as the report points out the cost of dining out has increased but slower than the cost increase for dining at home so everything's up but eating out is less of an increase than eating at home so according to the analysis for a family of four dining out for thanksgiving would actually be the most economically beneficial this year now that being said you have to find some place is going to be open on thanksgiving most restaurants uh, are closed of course but Uh, dining out would be more economically beneficial this year than eating at home. That's for a family of four. However, the report does point out that for a larger family gathering, it would still be more economical to eat at home. So heading into the month of November here, uh, of course, a lot of the focus is on Thanksgiving. However, the Hancock Historical Museum Actually uh, turning the focus on honoring veterans in the month of November because we got Veterans Day, of course. Uh, Sarah Sisser is here from the Hancock Historical Museum. That is the uh, subject of uh, tomorrow's uh, Brown Bag uh, Lunch Lecture, actually. That's,
4: That's right. So Brown Bag Lecture, the first Thursday of every month at noon. Um, Tomorrow, we have Ron Ammons with us, and he's always, he's a crowd favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, Ron's a local guy and a great local historian. Um, One of his real areas of focus has been World War II uh, because of his father's involvement as a veteran. Um, And so he has compiled actually two books that we have for sale at the gift shop at the museum um, that are firsthand accounts of Mm. uh, local World War II veterans, their accounts in, in war, And um, so he will be speaking a little bit about the ramifications of the last few months of World War II for local citizens. Um, So again, he's always a crowd favorite. Um, He just makes uh, the history itself so relatable. So um, come and join us for that. That's tomorrow at noon. We always encourage people to get there a little bit early to get Mm -hmm. your seat. It's free if you're a member, just $3 if you're not a member. And um, it's a nice way to... uh, Change our focus here in the first half of the month yeah. to think about our veterans it, it,
0: the, there are plenty of stories out there about uh, World War II and uh, veterans experiences and, and and so on, but there is something that is really special about that putting that local spin on it
4: so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and I think a lot of people um, knew Ron's father, Jack, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah. again, he just makes it so relatable. Um, so we're looking forward to having it.
0: And then uh, also in the uh, classic movie night, it uh, has a kind of a veterans theme to it as well or a military theme.
4: Yeah, that's right. It. So yeah. classic movie night is um, the fir- is typically the third Friday of every month. and so this Friday, or excuse me this month it will be um, Friday the 18th. okay um, starts at seven o'clock. and again, we encourage you to come a little bit early. we bre- we provide the refreshments and it's a good uh, date night.
0: And uh, the movie this month is...
4: Uh, you caught me off guard. Uh, it'll be on the
0: website. Because I know uh, I, I was just looking the other day, so I'm going to look it up here real quickly. We've got uh, all of this linked up at our webpage, by the way. And I know it's a military uh, theme. Pride of the Marines. Thank you. Pride of the Marines, uh, John Garfield, Eleanor Parker from 1945. So good, good there advice. you go. Uh, a couple of things. We are looking ahead to the uh, holiday season. Oh, you have uh, one other thing for veterans coming up too.
4: That's right. I'm we have mention. a Veterans Day Reception, And that'll be the 13th. So Sunday, the 13th. Um, We're typically open from one to four on Sundays. We'll open up at one. We'll have free admission for veterans and any active duty military. We'll have some special displays out of some of our um, unique items in the collections that pertain to local veterans from several different um, uh, wars and theaters. And um, we will also have a speaker at 315 Bob Weinberg, who's Mm -hmm. with Flag City Honor Flight. Some people know Bob's experience as a guard. Um, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and mm. so he'll speak a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, um, in the in the early seventies. That's
0: gotta be that's gonna be fascinating. So uh, circle that on your calendar to be sure. Now, uh, not get too far ahead of ourselves, but already starting to think about the holiday season. You have we'll a be couple here of things. Before you know it. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely <laughs> will be here before you know it. You have a couple of things coming up, uh, holiday related.
4: So some things that you might want to make reservations for now um, are. Christmas open house is always the first weekend of December. And so we'll have beautifully decorated campus for the holidays and Saturday, uh, December 3rd, from 5 to 8 p.m., we'll have everything open for just $1 admission for the open house. But we're going to do some special programming, the two days of open house house that Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday evening, we're going to be doing a Christmas cookie and wine pairing, which I think is going to be a lot of fun for folks. The cost for that is $30 and you do need a reservation in advance. We have a limited number of seats available.
0: Okay.
4: Um, and then on Sunday, the 4th, we also have a special program in conjunction with our open house, and that will be um, a live or a fresh wreath-making workshop hmm. with Courtney Dutcher, who owns Dutcher Flower Farms uh, here in Finley. So again, that's another fun thing that you can do as part of the open house, an additional fee, but you can come and make the wreath and then enjoy the rest of the campus uh, while we're open for the Terrific.
0: open house. So definitely something to circle on the calendar, and a little bit later on, again, Thinking ahead a little bit uh, into the month of December, but we want to talk about it now because it's sure to fill up, and that is a, a special Christmas
4: tea. That's right. So, our Victorian Ladies, a wonderful group of dedicated volunteers, for um, I think about 28 years have been doing our Victorian Christmas dinner. This year, we're changing things up a little bit. We're not going to be doing a dinner, but we are going to be doing a, a formal tea. And so the ladies will be putting that together. That'll happen in our Davis uh, house on the campus of the Historical Museum, a beautiful building that we've adaptively reused. And um, tickets for that are $30. We're already um, more than halfway full for that event. Wow. It'll be Saturday, December 10th from 11 to 1. And we typically do teas um, for children throughout the year. Mm -hmm. This event is really specifically for our adult guests. Okay. So um, keep that in mind. We love our children's teas, but this one is as for the ladies. <laughs> and it's
0: going to be, as you said, a, a, a formal uh, tea. So. A formal tea. You'll get plenty to Again. eat,
4: some be- um, delicious homemade pastries and things that the Victorian ladies will make, and you'll leave with a Christmas um, favorite. It's just a really nice day to, a really nice way to kind of bring in uh, the holiday season.
0: And as uh, folks uh, are familiar with from the uh, Victorian dinner in years past, it will be all pretty much done as it would have been done in the Victorian age.
4: Yes, it will be themed and um, the ladies will be um, dressed like they would have been during the time to serve you and again just a, a fun experience um, we'll have some uh, live music there I believe we have a harpist that's coming to play so awesome. if you have a group of friends um, and you're looking for something to do to kind of get you in the Christmas spirit I think this would be a great event
0: it'll definitely be like uh, stepping into Christmas past
4: that's right. uh, without the ghosts yeah. <laughs> uh, associated with that <laughs> that I was that. last
0: month that was last <laughs> month we were talking about that uh, so to make reservations for the uh, Christmas open house and for the uh, Victorian tea, the Christmas tea, uh, you can do that online, right? You can.
4: Um, The registration for those two open house events will probably go live on our website yet this week, but the tea is up there already. uh, All right. So if you would like to make a reservation online, you can also always call us at the museum, 419 423 4433, and we'll be happy to get you signed up.
0: And the other events that we mentioned, of course, the Brown Bag uh, Lunch Lecture, the Classic Movie Night, and the the Veterans Day uh, Program, the Veterans Program, uh, those you don't necessarily have to have reservations for,
4: right? No, nope. Okay. Uh, we, you know, since COVID, we've kind of asked people to maybe give us a heads up if they're coming to Classic Movie Night or Brown Bag Lecture, but we have plenty of room and we'd love to see
0: All right. We've got it all linked up at our webpage, uh, goodmornings.net. A lot of things going on as we head through the month of November and into early December. And again, uh, Sarah Sisser with the Hancock Historical Museum with us this morning. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net, where you can also... Connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more. Again, goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web, so check us out online. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.